Good morning. Welcome to worship today. Special, special welcome to friends, guests, and visitors we have with us. We're, we're very glad that you are here. And also want to welcome those who are joining us online or by phone. We're glad to be gathering with you this morning as well. Just a few announcements before we begin. Um, first of all, uh, we've been sharing some updates about the planned landscaping improvements along the uh, wall underneath the mural. There was an appeal sent out about that the end of this week, so uh, you may have received that or will receive that soon. And we're also looking for a small team of people who um, might be available uh, early this week on Tuesday at 1030 to help um, move some stuff around out there. We're responsible for clearing out the existing landscaping, and Glenn Kenyon is bringing his bobcat on Tuesday at 1030, and we could use a small team of people who might be willing to help move stuff around. So if you are available on Tuesday, uh, you can either let me know or you can, you can just show up. So, <clears throat> Just a few um, updates to our prayers for today. Um, first of all, let's keep uh, Amanda Forche and Kestrel Grigorich Trevor in our prayers because they are getting married here this afternoon. So uh, uh, pray for them as they uh, celebrate and as uh, they begin their married life together. So please pray for Amanda and Kestrel. Also received um, word this morning that uh, Bonnie first uh, died. That would be Don Knutson's sister. Um, and I, I know many of you will know Bonnie uh, and the first family. So please keep Don and Joyce and all who knew and loved Bonnie in your prayers this morning. And finally, since she's sitting right up here, I did want to wish a happy birthday to Annie Dean, who's uh, <laughs> since she's our sister today, so happy birthday, Annie. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any other announcements we should make before we begin today? If not, we will begin our service with our prelude music.
Please stand as you are able and face the baptismal font. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, whose steadfast love endures forever. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not followed your path, but have chosen our own way. Instead of putting others before ourselves, we long to take the best seats at the table. When met by those in need, we have too often passed by on the other side. Set us again on the path of life. Save us from ourselves and free us to love our neighbors. Amen. Hear the good news. God does not deal with us according to our sins, but delights in granting pardon and mercy. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. You are free to love as God loves. Amen.
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. God of mercy and might, you hear the persistent prayers of your people. Look not upon our shortcomings and wrongdoing, but graciously answer us when we plead with you for all that we need. May your will be done on earth as in heaven, today and every day. Amen. Please be seated. first reading comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 18. Then the Lord said, How great is the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah, and how very grave their sin. I must go down and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me, and if not, I will know. So the men turned from there, and went toward Sodom, while Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham came near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are fifty righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not forgive it? For the fifty righteous who are in it Far be it from you to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be, it, far be that for, from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom fifty righteous in the city, I will forgive the whole place. For their sake. Abraham answered, <clears throat> Let me take it upon myself to speak to the Lord. I am, uh, I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find forty five there. Again he spoke to him, Suppose forty are found there. He answered, For the sake of forty, I will not do it. Then he said, Oh, do not let the Lord be angry if I speak. Suppose thirty are found there. He answered, I will not do it, if I find thirty there. He said, let me take it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there, he answered. Uh, suppose 20 are found there, he answered. For the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, Oh, do not let the Lord be angry if I speak just once more. Suppose 10 are found there, he answered. 
For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. Word of God, word of life. The second reading comes from Colossians, 
the second chapter. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, continue continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the universe, and not according to Christ. For in him, the whole firmness, fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have come to fullness in him, who is the head of every ruler and authority. In him also you, are, you were circumcised with a spiritual circumcision, by putting off the body of the flesh in the circumcision of Christ. When you were buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him when he forgave us all our trespasses, erasing the record that stood against us with his legal demands. He set this aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and made a public example of them, trumpeting over them in it. Therefore, do not let anyone condemn you in matters of food and drink or of observing festivals, new moons, or Sabbaths. These are only a shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Do not let anyone disqualify you, insisting on self-abasement and worship of angels, dwellings on visions, puffing up without cause by a human way of thinking, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows with a growth that is from God. Word of God, word of life. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 11th chapter. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. 
your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we, for also, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us, and do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are in bed with me. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I ask, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receives, and everyone who searches, finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. My dear siblings, Jesus is drawing us into deeper discipleship and an intimacy with God today. And may grace and peace be with us as we listen for his living voice. Amen. I don't think I've ever met someone who is 100% pleased with their prayer life. Perhaps you come this morning with a question or two about prayer, a concern. Maybe you'd like to pray more often than you do. Maybe when you do pray, you struggle with what to say or wonder if it might offend God or simply don't know where to start. Maybe you wonder why we should pray if God knows our hearts and minds already. Doesn't God already know what I'm going to say? Maybe you wonder if prayer makes any difference. I think we've all become a little more suspicious of prayer, separated from faithful action in recent years, too. Because after every mass shooting and often after many tragedies, we hear a predictable refrain of thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. But what changes? I also think every one of us has experienced the spiritual wilderness of unanswered prayer. Which one of us hasn't asked for health healing, wholeness, reconciliation, relief, or rescue for ourselves or for a loved one, and wondered if God really hears us. Maybe we wonder if we said something the wrong way, or maybe our faith wasn't strong enough that day. I want to start by saying that if you have questions or doubts about prayer, you are not alone. If you long for a deeper life of prayer, but don't know how to begin, 
you are in good company. After all, in Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul says, we do not know how to pray as we ought. So even Paul, the missionary who reached so many, the guy who encountered the risen Jesus, even that Paul, though we don't said that we don't know how to pray correctly. Paul, who seems so confident about so much else, says, I'm not so sure I know how to pray as I ought. But then he goes on to say that even so, the Spirit intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. Put another way, when we don't know what to say or how to begin, God comes alongside us and helps us out. The point is relationship, and God is going to draw us in one way or another. Picture the Spirit putting an arm around you at those low moments, when you're in the doctor's office, when you're by the graveside, when you feel overwhelmed by your burdens. Paul says the Holy Spirit prays with and for you when your words run out, when you don't know what to say. Likewise, the first disciples of Jesus had their own questions about prayer. They weren't so sure they knew how to do it either. You might expect that the Messiah, when he came, was going to call only the best and the brightest or to have some sort of standardized faith test or a placement examination. Wouldn't you think Jesus would look for some experts in prayer if he wanted to start a worldwide movement of faith? But that's not what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't seem to call the best or the brightest, no offense to the disciples. He doesn't call the spiritual experts or the people with the highest level of education in that day. He calls ordinary people, people who wish they knew more, who struggle to find their way, people who need help and wisdom, especially concerning prayer. Isn't that oddly comforting? So if you're sitting here today wishing you felt closer to God, wishing you knew more about how to pray, you are in the company of the saints. You are in the company of the disciples who had the benefit of encountering God the Son in the flesh. In our reading from Luke's Gospel, one of Jesus' followers gets the courage to ask him an honest question. Lord, teach us to pray. If you want to enrich your prayer life, perhaps you could make this request part of your prayer this week. Try this out for for a week or so. In the morning or before bed or whenever you find it easy to pray, begin your prayer with this request. Lord, teach me to pray. Over time, as you live within this desire to befriend God in prayer, see what happens. You see, Jesus' disciples had seen him pray many times. He modeled this in his life. They had seen Jesus' intimacy with his heavenly parent and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Especially in Luke's gospel, prayer seems to precede any important event in Jesus' life. At his baptism, for example, Luke says that Jesus was praying when the heavens opened up and the Spirit descended like a dove. Likewise, the night before Jesus called his 12 disciples, Luke says that he went out on a mountaintop and prayed the whole night 
And then he went and called the 12 disciples. And again, right before Jesus starts telling people that he's going to die on a cross, Luke says Jesus was praying. Same thing with his transfiguration on the mountaintop. Luke says Jesus is praying when his face and his clothes are changed and shone with dazzling brightness. My point is this. Jesus' followers had seen him pray over and over again. In Jesus, they had seen a model of ongoing intimacy with our heavenly parent and in communion with the Holy Spirit. They saw it over and over again, and they began to hunger for that same kind of closeness with God, the closeness with God that Jesus was offering them. And so, after seeing all of that, one of them finally feels brave enough to say, teach us to pray like you're doing all the time. What follows is a version of the Lord's Prayer, which we say together every week, following the example of Jesus. But I think you'll recognize that this is a shorter version than the one we typically say. We are more familiar with Matthew's Gospel's version, which includes some additional petitions, and we usually add the doxological ending that's not found in the Gospels. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So that's not in this text. But regardless, the Lord's Prayer in both Matthew and Luke, the one that we pray every week, is essentially a prayer for the coming of the kingdom, for the coming of the reign of God. In the Lord's Prayer, we are learning to pray for God's dream to come true, a dream that overcomes our nightmares and restores wholeness and friendship with God, each other, and all creation. We're praying for God's great cleanup of the universe to get underway. In this prayer, Jesus is giving us a framework for learning to see the world as he sees it and to want the things that he wants. This is an important introduction to Jesus' ask-seek-knock teaching, which comes later. If it was just that teaching and we didn't have the Lord's Prayer before it, it might seem that we are turning God into a cosmic genie of sorts. We're to pray to God honestly and boldly, expecting that when we ask, we will receive. But over time, we learn not only to ask for what we want, over time, we catch a glimpse of that vision of the kingdom and we learn to ask for what God wants. That's part of the function of the Lord's Prayer. We learn to ask for the kingdom to come. We learn to ask that all may be fed. We learn to ask for forgiveness and mercy in ourselves and for those around us. We're not just asking for the best parking spot at Target. Jesus teaches us to pray in such a way that we are guided into his vision of love and wholeness. It reminds me of the bumpers that they sometimes put out at the bowling alley, right? The ones that make sure you don't go into the gutter. It feels like the Lord's Prayer can kind of act like that for our prayer life, too. Jesus' prayer becomes the bumpers for our prayers so that we learn to long for the things Jesus wants for us, keeping us going in the right direction. In this way, prayer changes us as much and probably more so than it changes God. As we pray this prayer over and over, we are given the mind of Christ. We are conformed to his image 
and learn to ask for those things that he desires for us in our world. But I do think the second half of this text is an important complement to it because it gives us permission to be honest with God in prayer. It gives us a vision of the kind of God to whom we pray. Both the parable of the friend at midnight and the teaching about asking, seeking, and knocking are examples of arguments from the lesser to the greater. That is, if you can imagine your friend giving into into your persistence, just imagine how God will respond. And if earthly parents know how to give good gifts, just imagine how our heavenly parent will give to those who ask. These can be difficult teachings because they raise questions about what happens when we ask and we don't receive. But as I said before, God is not some kind of cosmic genie responding to our every wish, at least not in our experience, right? But the good news is that the God to whom we pray is not a remote heavenly monarch who wants nothing to do with us. God wants to be in relationship and conversation with us. And God is not like Zeus waiting to strike us with lightning. We have a God who longs to give us the kingdom. It is God's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. We have a God who is for us, not one who is out to get us or who is against us. One of the things I've learned as a parent is how to recognize and respond to hunger cues in another person. When our baby was very small, she couldn't tell us when she was hungry, so we'd have to look for signs, like rooting around and fussiness. And I think I've shared the story uh, with some of you, where when Miriam was about a month old, I was giving her a bottle, and she'd eaten more than I'd ever seen her eat in one sitting. And I sat her up and looked at her, and I said, there's no way you're still hungry. You've eaten so much food already. And then right then, she leaned forward, and she latched onto the tip of my nose with her mouth and began to suck. So I took that as a hunger cue, that she did want more food. (laughs) And as she got older, her signaling got better. She moved from baby sign language more to now spoken language. And I think that's true for all of us. We all learn how to more honestly and better signal our needs. And I think that's kind of how it is for our prayer lives, too. We move from... uh, pre-language to learning how to express to God honestly what it is we need, what it is we desire. We become better as we mature in faith at coming honestly before God. We learn to pray as Jesus prayed and want what he wants. The good news Jesus offers us today is that we can trust the God to whom we pray. We have a God who desires honesty and back and forth in relationship. Just see the example of Abraham in our first reading going back and forth with God. We can come to God with the persistence of a friend at midnight, because God will do better. We can come to God with the boldness of a child asking for more, because God will do better. If a doofus, earthly parent like myself can figure out hunger cues, just imagine how God will respond as we learn to trust and share our honest and whole selves. If you come today with anxiety about prayer, that you're not doing it enough or that you're not doing it right, I want you to let that go. Prayer should not feel like one more thing to feel guilty about. It should feel like a gracious invitation into a loving, 
intimacy with God, one that we grow into over time. Even when we do not understand the response or seeming lack thereof, we can trust that God who is listening to us is for us and not against us, not one who is out to get us. So my friends, if you would like to grow closer to God in prayer today, trust in God's desire to be in relationship with you. Just start talking because the Holy Spirit is going to come alongside you, throw an arm around your shoulder, and intercede for you on your behalf. Learn to pray as Jesus prayed because he will lead you into the kingdom. And when in doubt, pray with persistence and boldness because God loves you and wants to hear from you. Amen.
God's extraordinary love, let us come near to the Holy One in prayer. Rooted and built in Christ, we pray for the church, embolden church leaders to take risks for the sake of the gospel, and equip the baptized to proclaim your extravagant love for the whole world. Merciful God, hear our prayer. Rejoicing in the works of your hands, we pray for the natural world. Make rivers and lakes, oceans and all waterways sparkle with your radiance. Protect water sources, including Lake Monona and Starkweather Creek, and strengthen those who defend them. Merciful God, interceding on behalf of the vulnerable, we pray for the peoples of the world. Inspire all rulers and governing authorities with your justice. Guide the work of legislators and public officials that they advocate for the well-being of those they serve. Merciful God, Persistent in prayers, we pray for the neighbors in need. To all who have hunger, given daily bread. To all who have bread, give hunger for justice. Open us to the cries of those who suffer, especially Jackie, Mary, Leticia, Denia, Bonnie, Sharon, and all those we name now, aloud or in our hearts. Merciful God, abounding in thanksgiving, we pray for this congregation. Bless the prayer and fellowship minister in this place. Call us together in times of praise and believing, blessing, trouble and sorrow, in your holy name. Today we lift up our prayers of thanksgiving and blessing for Amanda and Kestrel as they are united in marriage. Merciful God. Receive, wait, buried with Christ in baptism and raised with him to new life. We give thanks for your saints who rest in the internal, your internal presence. Your, join our voices with theirs as we sing of your great glory. Merciful God. We lift up prayers, especially today, for the family of Bonnie first. Surround them with care and comfort in this time of grief and mourning. Merciful God, hear our Receive the prayers of your children, merciful God, and hold us forever in your steadfast love. Through Jesus Christ, our holy wisdom. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Take a moment to share a sign of peace with those around you. Peace be with you.
Please stand. Let us pray. God of abundance, you have set before us a plentiful harvest. As we feast on your goodness, strengthen us to labor in your field and equip us to bear fruit for the good of all. In the name of Jesus. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior, Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, you have brought us this far along the way. In times of bitterness, you did not abandon us, but guided us into the path of love and light. In every age, you sent prophets to make known your loving will for all humanity. The cry of the poor has become your own cry. Our hunger and thirst for justice is your own desire. In the fullness of time, you sent your chosen servant to preach good news to the afflicted, to break bread with the outcast and despised, and to ransom those in bondage to prejudice and sin. We remember on the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup gave thanks and gave for all to drink, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink from this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Remembering, therefore, his death and resurrection, we await the day when Jesus shall return to free all the earth from the bonds of slavery and death. Come, Lord Jesus, and let the church say, Amen. Amen. Send your Holy Spirit, our advocate, to fill the hearts of all who share this bread and cup with courage and wisdom to pursue love and justice in all the world. 
Come, Spirit of Freedom, and let the Church say, Amen. Amen. Join our prayers and praise with your prophets and martyrs of every age, that rejoicing in the hope of the resurrection, we might live in the freedom and hope of your Son, through him, with him, in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught his friends to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated while we share some instructions for communion. To communion today, you will exit to the side aisles and come forward. At the front of the side aisles, there are tables where you will find empty cups. You will pick up an empty cup and bring it with you to the railing where it will be filled with wine and where you will receive bread. If you need or desire grape juice or gluten-free, those are also at these two side tables. After you've communed at the railing, you'll return down the center aisle and place your empty cup in the bowl by the center aisle. We want everyone to know who's joining us today that all are welcome to commune with us because this is the Lord's table, not Trinity Lutheran's table. And the invitation comes from Christ. In Christ's presence, there is fullness of joy. Come to the banquet.
Please stand as you are able. May the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen, keep, and unite us now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Life-giving God, through this meal, you have bandaged our wounds and fed us with your mercy. Now send us forth to live for others, both friend and stranger, that all may come to know your love. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.
The God of peace, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you, comfort you, and show you the path of life this day and always. Amen. The mission of Trinity Lutheran Church is to proclaim and celebrate the love of Jesus Christ, to live as God's servants in the world, and to be a caring and healing community. Go in peace. Love your neighbor.